0: Evidence and answers. No one likes to discuss death. The very thought of our loved ones leaving us brings about mixed emotions. Ultimately, it is a known fact. As Scripture tells us, God knows the exact number of days that we will remain on this earth. So as we age, the discussion does come up. What about after we've passed on? What about our body? Do we choose burial? or cremation. And what does the Bible say about each of these? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat will be speaking about an interesting topic, the topic of cremation, with apologist Dr. Doug Potter. With part one of this interview is our host, Pat Zucran.
1: You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we present the compelling evidence for Christ and provide well-reasoned biblical answers for today's challenges. Well, since ancient times, cultures have practiced various burial ceremonies for the deceased. Some of the most elaborate were in Egypt, where the Egyptians built great pyramids, mummified their pharaohs, and buried them with their treasure. In India, the Zoroastrians, placed the bodies of the deceased on roofs of their towers, called towers of silence, where vultures would eat the dead body. In places such as China and the northern Philippines, the tribes hang the coffins of the dead on steep cliffs. Well, how should Christians bury their dead? Should Christians consider the popular practice of cremation? You know, only 5% of Americans were cremated in 1962, but by 2000, that percentage was up to over 25%. In countries like Japan, where burial is sometimes illegal, the cremation rate is 98%. Well, to help us address this issue is Dr. Doug Potter. Doug is an avid writer, teacher, and speaker on Christian theology and apologetics. He received his doctorate in apologetics from Southern Evangelical Seminary and a master's in apologetics from Southern Evangelical Seminary. And he's written a great book co-authored it with Dr. Norman Geisler on this topic titled, What in Cremation is Going On? Well, Doug, welcome to Evidence and Answers.
2: Hey, Pat. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you.
1: Well, Doug, in this whole topic here, why is it important for Christians to consider the manner in which we are buried? Some people are saying, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's the soul that's eternal, so the body doesn't really matter. Why is it important for Christians to really consider the manner in which we are buried.
2: Yeah, that's a really important question, a great question. A lot of people have asked that question, continue to ask that question. And I'll tell you, given the statistics you just cited and other statistics, most of them are answering, even Christians are answering, it just doesn't matter. Just the other day, I heard someone say on the radio that that for believers or for people of faith, the body is just a vessel. It doesn't matter what you do with it. But if you look at the history of Christianity, of course, Christianity is deeply rooted in Judaism and comes out of that. So if you look at the Judeo-Christian tradition in terms of what you do with deceased people in terms of their bodies, it's universally done, burial is universally practiced. It is laid out from starting with Abraham on where they are buried or put into caves, and they are described as going on to be gathered with their fathers. And the body is buried, and all of this anticipates, even in Judaism all the way through Christianity, anticipates that the body will be resurrected one day. And the body is extremely important to Christian theology, and what we do with the body is therefore very important. How we treat the body, how we understand the body, so I think this is an extremely important issue that Christians, for the most part, have decided it isn't important. But again, if you look at our tradition, if you look at the scriptures, I think that you'll universally come out saying that, hey, there is an established practice uh, for Christians in terms of how we treat the body because it has something to do, somehow it participates as a symbol minimally with respect to our theology and our theological understanding of how important the body is.
1: Yeah, explain to us a little bit more about the body and the value it has as part of being created in the image of God.
2: Yeah, that's, that's really the key. You, you hit it right on, on the head with regards to the body. You know, if we look into Genesis, and we even look throughout Scripture, because it's, it's repeated throughout, that man is made in the image of God. And a lot of Christians have thought over time that being made in the image of God just applies to the spiritual capacity of man. But if you look closely at the text, it says that he made them, in Genesis 1.26, he made them male and female in the image of God. It doesn't say he just made the soul in the image of God, but obviously being made male and female in the image of God involves the body in some sense. So somehow our bodies themselves are a reflection of that image. In fact, if we go uh, further in Genesis to when Noah gets off the ark and God institutes capital punishment for crimes that are done, such as murder, it's clear that destroying the body is an attack on the image of God. Because man can't destroy the soul. Jesus talked about that in the Gospels. Don't fear those who can destroy the body fear the him who, who is god who can destroy the soul man can't destroy the soul he can only destroy or attack the body and that's made in the image of god and if you look even further in the hebrews in the new testament it's jesus who is the exact representation of god and he's in a body he he has a soul body unity and that's really important to understand that really the biblical understanding of, of man, is that he is a soul-body unity, and the body is just as important to being a human being as the soul is. In fact, you're incomplete without the body. Uh, so when the body dies and the soul goes to be, for a Christian, for a believer, someone who has uh, uh, exercised their faith in Jesus Christ, they go immediate to the presence of the Lord without their body, because their body stays here. And that is something that is that needs to be taken care of in terms of being disposed of. And so, but the soul goes on to be with the Lord, but someday the Christian belief is that the soul will be united with a brand new incorruptible body, a body that will no longer decay and forevermore be in a body. And so that's why a body is so important. To Christian theology and is very symbolic of correct Christian theology. And to discard the body, to treat it just as a vessel and something to be disposed of by burning is a symbolic attack on Christian theology. Just as if I were to burn a flag, burn the American flag, and treat it improperly, uh, you would say, well, that, in a sense, is an attack on our nation. I'm symbolizing that I don't like something about our nation, or I don't like our nation, if I burn the flag. And so everyone looks at that as an attack on a symbol of the United States is an attack in some sense on the United States itself, and so that's exactly what's going on with regards to the Christian and our disposal and treatment of the body.
1: Now, you talk about, you know, the body will one day be restored and redeemed. Tell us a little bit about what Scripture says about future resurrection of the body.
2: Right. The key thing to look at is Jesus Christ's resurrection. In fact, in 1 John, uh, John in his uh, first epistle tells us that our resurrection body will be like Jesus Christ's body, like his resurrected body. And if we look at his resurrected body, it's a physical body. Jesus says, I am not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. See here, touch me. I am flesh and blood. And this is in his resurrected body that he is flesh Although it is immortal, meaning it's imperishable, it can't be destroyed, it's still very fleshy, it's still a body, there's nothing immaterial about it now it is certainly controlled by as paul says in 1st corinthians 15 it's a heavenly body it is controlled supernaturally it is immortal it's imperishable but it's nonetheless a physical body and of course this we know also from the fact that jesus offered to show his the scars in his hands and the scar in his side which is clearly left over from his physical body and what this tells us is that there is what we refer to in theology as numerical identity. There's numerical identity between the particles of the pre-resurrected body and the resurrected body. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the same particles. Uh, They don't have to be the same particles, but they're numerically identical, meaning they're in the exact same location as the pre-resurrected body. So you and I and every believer uh, in Christ, when we are raised in our resurrected body, to each of us, we are going to look exactly like we look now, just because they're able to recognize Jesus in his uh, resurrected body. And that's how we know he was resurrected from the dead, based on the testimony of the apostles who witnessed him alive from the dead.
1: Yeah, you bring up some really good points there, Doug. Now, are there biblical guidelines for how believers are to be laid to rest?
2: Well, there's definitely, as I've mentioned before, definitely a tradition of burial. And there's definitely a pattern that's set down. And, you know, the traditions from going from Judaism into Christianity pretty much stayed the same. And then, of course, uh, going from early Christianity on down today, you know, some of the patterns have changed. Some of the things that have been done have changed. But universally, Christians, starting in the New Testament with the background being uh, Jewish burial, Clearly, practice burial. Now, whether it's in a ground or a crypt or a tomb, you know that those types of things may vary quite a bit. But in the early church, to cremate someone, and many of them uh, indeed were burned alive, was looked at as offensive. And in fact, the the Christians were attacked and ridiculed and threatened with cremation. This we know from the early church fathers. So they had quite a bit of disdain uh, for cremation, not only because of the theology being so rich in. And understanding the body, as we just talked about, but also because it was it was threatening to them in their lives. And so definitely the scriptures have laid out for us a practice of burial to follow.
1: So tell us, Doug, a little bit about cremation. I mean, where does this practice come from? Do we know?
2: Yeah, we we actually do. Yeah, well, as I was doing research on the book, it was hard to go back to find its origins. But nonetheless, we can trace it back. And and well, I should probably back up a bit. We don't know exactly who the first people were that cremated. We can't trace it back that far. But we definitely have uh, practices within the Eastern religions of cremation that can easily be traced back. And there, uh, I'm talking about Hinduism and, and Buddhism. There's definitely an ancient practice of it there. And in all likelihood, there are some uh, surrounding countries with regards to Israel that definitely practice Cremation And a lot of them are kind of combined with cremation as well as burial. But uniquely Judaism as a regular practice really stands out when you look at the history as regularly promoting the practice of burial and doing that obviously because of a theology and understanding of the body. But it, it's safe to say that really the origins of cremation are pagan, even though we can't really nail it down who invented it or who first did it. Um, it's definitely pagan in origin, meaning it's non-Judeo-Christian in origin.:
1: Now when you know Hindus and Buddhists, you know and even some of the Greek mythological religions, they cremate the body, what is the reason behind that?
2: Yeah, it can be varied quite a bit. It's not always connected to religious beliefs. Usually, it is. Mostly, it is. A lot of the beliefs there uh, have to do with the fact that that is somehow the way in which the soul is released from the body. And they, obviously, if you're dealing with Hinduism and Buddhism, you're looking at well, that's the way the soul is released to go through samsara, reincarnation, and be reborn in a, in another body. So it it kind of fits with that. They don't really care and are not concerned about the body, that has no significance. It's just about the soul being reincarnated in another body. In some other instances, it was in all likelihood convenient to do. Maybe burial, if it's non-related to religion, then it's just something that's convenient to do. And that's what a lot of people today find. It's just less expensive and it's convenient compared to burial. There's no doubt about it.
1: Tell us a little bit about cremation in the United States. I mean, it wasn't practiced here you know, until maybe the nineteenth century.
2: You're exactly right. In fact the first cremation, if I remember right, is around eighteen thirties or eighteen forties, maybe around eighteen forty seven or so, in the UK and the United States, about the same time started the practice of cremation. And yeah, it, you know, your statistics you gave at the very beginning are right on. You know, you're talking about the 1960s and 30s. We're we're looking at, you know, 5 to 7% being cremated. And, you know, the projections I see today by about 2025 puts the percent of cremation in the United States alone at about 56%. That means over half the people by 2025 in the United States are going to be cremated. That could even be higher. so that no doubt that includes Christians regularly practicing cremation and seeing no difficulty or problem or contradiction whatsoever with it. So it is something that's gradually increased over time. I've actually been looking at this topic since probably the mid-1990s and and have seen a tremendous growth in cremation in the United States. You know, where you're at in Hawaii has some of the highest statistics, and also the West Coast seems to be very high. Uh, Some of the states in the South are very high, and then, uh, you know, somewhere in the Midwest and and definitely in the Bible Belt, it's probably at its lowest in terms of practice with respect to cremation as far as the United States is concerned. But, you know, it, it is definitely growing in every single state. There's no doubt about it.
1: Well, I guess the question then is, is cremation sinful?
2: That's the $64,000 question, (laughs) or maybe I should say $64 million question, since we're in the 21st century and the game shows are rewarding a lot more. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's the big question out there that everybody wants to know. You know, when I first started looking at this back in the 90s, very few Christians were writing on this topic. Uh, More today are, and some more have taken it on, but even back in the 1990s, very few, especially evangelical Christians, even broached this topic. When Dr. Geiser first approached me about doing research on it, I looked into it, and literally I could find seven to eight books, maybe, on the whole topic that were easily accessible. And even of those, only you know two or three were were being written by evangelical Christians on the topic. So it's not something we've spent a lot of time looking at and researching about. And when you look at them in terms of what the position they held on it, there's really a spectrum. Your more liberal Christians are going to say, no problem, go at it, Uh, no difficulties with regards to Christian theology and so forth, or with regards to the resurrection, go ahead and do it. And then you've got some going to the more right extreme, being much more conservative, maybe even fundamentalists about it, saying it's an outright sin. And the Bible prohibits it in terms of it. what it explicitly says in some places, they would say, or implicitly. And then there were very few holding a middle ground. And Dr. Geiser and I actually took a middle ground with respect to this, because we think that it is not an intrinsic evil. That is, it's not on the level of committing murder it's not on the level of committing rape these types of intrinsic evils while we would say it's wrong in the sense of a wrong practice it's not intrinsically sinful that means that there are exceptions with regards to burial that can be practiced and and are not sinful if they are practiced so uh, the short answer in terms of the position that we take in our, in our book what information is going on is that it is it is not intrinsically sinful, and that is because there are exceptions. For example, in Scripture, if you look at it, there are very few passages that actually even approach or even deal with the issue of cremation actually being done. As we mentioned, there are many passages, including uh, the death of Christ, that deal with uh, Judaism and their practice of burial, and describe that in great detail, especially with Christ. But very few instances, and the instances that we do find in Scripture where cremation actually are done are associated with war and the recovery of bodies and taking the bones back and dealing with plagues and diseases that would be spread. And that's what we find in First in and Second Samuel with respect to a war going on and also in the minor prophet of Amos, we find it going, being done because of plagues. And so there are exceptions even in Judaism when cremation Should be done uh, because of these exceptions. And that's why we hold the position or take the position that it's not intrinsically sinful. I mean, furthermore, you don't actually find a direct command to be buried in Scripture such that to do something else uh, would be sinful or intrinsically sinful. Even in the Jewish writings outside the Scripture, you don't find it actually being commanded in terms of any sense of being burial. It certainly is described as a practice and upheld as a practice, but it's not looked at as being intrinsically sinful. And so we find several things in Scripture with respect to giving us direct commands of what to do and not to do, and then we find some things where things are implied or implicitly the case as to what you should do based on what is said, And you find other situations where it just gives you a practice that's handed down that should be followed because it correctly reflects our Christian theology, and that's where cremation falls in. It's a practice handed down because it correctly reflects and symbolizes our theology, and therefore it should be practiced by the church, and it should be practiced by Christians. But we also find instances where exceptions might arise, and it may be something that should not be done or can't be done in some circumstances, and then alternatives need to be done.
1: So, for Christians who have had loved ones cremated, they haven't committed the unpardonable sin, have they?
2: No way, not at all. <laughs> you need to respect other people's wishes. If people, you know, my position is that if people, Christian or otherwise, in your family want to be cremated and you can't convince them otherwise, then you should follow their wishes. They are their body you know, God is the uh, creator and cause of the body. They are their bodies. The body is just not a container, but they are a soul-body unity. And if that's their wish, then it should be followed through. And no, you are not committing an intrinsic evil or sin by cremating someone, especially if you're fulfilling their wishes. And so it's important to keep that in mind. Are there
1: certain conditions where cremation would be acceptable for the believer?
2: Yeah, definitely. As I mentioned before, I gave you some biblical ones, and I think that those still stand for today. If you're dealing with situations with regards to a plague or a disease, the spread of disease taking place, cremation is definitely advisable. If you're in a country where it's the law that you cannot bury, I think you mentioned that for Japan where you cannot bury, it's something where I don't think we should be disobedient to the law of the land because, again, we don't have a direct command for in Scripture to be buried. So uh, those instances are definitely circumstances where we should be, you know, there, and there's other ones as well. Land in some places, I don't know what it's like there for you in Hawaii. I would imagine that the burial land is, is quite scarce or very expensive.
1: Yes, indeed. Completely
2: unaffordable. And those type of instances, you know, I, I kind of have the caveat that I put in there is I think sometimes the church should step in and maybe pay for people that cannot afford burial in order to properly symbolize their theology. But short of someone else stepping in and doing it for you and paying for it, you certainly may not be able to afford it. And so in those particular circumstances, it's regrettable. But, you know, again, that's an instance where we do have an exception.
1: Well, then, you know, what if as a pastor, or a Christian leader, I'm asked to perform or officiate a cremation service. What do you recommend there?
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's a really important question as well. You're right on with regards to asking and I'm sure a lot of pastors have that and have, you know, had to deal with that issue and the importance of that. And I, and my position I think it's also the position that that Dr. Geiser takes and we kind of answer this this in the book as well. You know, and and I also think that the, that the Roman Catholic position on this is is quite good as long as it's not done disrespectfully, as long as it's not done as an affront to Christian theology, as long as it's not done for spite. In other words, it, it's certainly something that the pastor can participate in. I would hope that the church, individual local churches, as well as the pastor, would teach on this subject and promote burial, show how it's connected to Christian theology Show how it is symbolic with regards to Christian theology. It's something they should teach on. It's something they should certainly discourage, cremation, which is much more symbolic of paganism and Eastern religions and they should do it regrettably. At the same time, if someone were to do it in ignorance, not knowing what's going on, if someone were to do it not seeing the connection with Christian theology, if someone isn't doing it to bring offense to someone or to uh, spite someone in the church or something else, then of course, I, you know, it's certainly allowable for the, for the pastor to participate under those particular circumstances or situations.
0: to join us next time for the conclusion of Pat's interview with Dr. Doug Potter about cremation. If you found this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on that donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. That's evidenceandanswers.org. We have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers.